It's a mean age. But it is going to be a beautiful future as long as we don't get up. I'm Brian McWilliams, and this is Mean Age Daydream, where I bring you unfiltered comedy, criticism, philosophy, and politics with a Mean Age Daydream. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to Mean Age Daydream. I am, of course, Brian McWilliams, your beautiful host here, but I am not the only beautiful, bald, bearded man here. I'm joined by someone who uh, I've been a big fan of keeping tracks on and a former guest of the show, Mr. Andy Schoonover. Now, uh, Andy is, of course, the CEO and founder of Crowd Health, which uh, you guys are aware of, and I'd like to welcome you back with open arms, Andy. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been, an, I guess it was about the same time last year and, and lots been going on. So looking forward to catching you all up on, on what we've been doing. Yeah, most definitely. Well, I mentioned as we were just kind of chatting before the show, I'd seen you did another uh, podcast. I think it might have been your own podcast um, talking about how health insurance, you described it as a shit coin. And I said, all right, we've got to talk about that because I love <laughs> I love the description of it. So tell me a little bit more about that. How is healthcare a shit coin? And then we'll get into what's going on with crowd health. <laughs> Yeah, you know, look, I'm a I'm a Bitcoin guy. Um, I think you know it, it's it's the one um, you know coin out there that I think is is, is stable that is not controlled by a a, a central authority. Um, everybody says it's decentralized, but there is a group of people that can impact pretty much every other sh- shit coin out there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Bitcoin is the one that that um, is differentiated in, in that way. Um, and you know, and I, so I, I made that, that analogy because in essence, what we're doing with, with health insurance is you've got one centralized authority dictating what is going on with your healthcare. You know, it's, it's a, these health insurance plans say, uh, I promise we'll, we'll pay your, your health bills yet something like 48 million claims were denied last year on healthcare.gov plans. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. And so it, it feels like some shit coinery to me. <laughs> yeah, well, and especially when it wasn't the big promise of Obamacare. The reason that they shoehorned this thing through was that people would say, well, I can't get insured or they won't cover this and that. And they said, well, don't worry, everybody gets insured. Now we'll cover everything. And that was essentially the promise they made us, right? That you would not be denied coverage for any reason. And yet, as you said, here we are, 40% of claims still being denied. Yeah, and we have like a, a, something like 200,000 people every year who have health insurance are going bankrupt due to health event. Like, yeah. And most of these are on healthcare.gov, Obamacare type of plans. And so, so it's like, why is that happening? One is you have these massive deductibles that are eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars. And so there's a meme that has been going around. It's like health insurance is great because you get to pay a lot of money every month. And then when something happens, you get to pay a lot more money. Um, right. you know, and so <laughs> people don't think about these deductibles and they're ten, twelve, sixteen thousand dollars, something like that. So, um, that's one reason. And then the other reasons is, um, as I talked to you on the last time I was on is, I, I had a, my, my, uh, my daughter had a ear and ear issue, had a hole in her eardrum. And, um, you know, the health plan basically came back and said it was medically unnecessary. The, the kind of the medical path that we went down and I had to pay $8,000 to, to a hospital. And it's like, not everybody has $8,000 sitting around to pay a medical bill for something that was pretty, pretty benign. So, um, you know, it's, there's definitely shit coinery going on in the health insurance space. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, so tell me a little bit more. What's been going on with Crowd Health um, over the past year? What you know? What's evolved as far as what you guys are doing? What? Because I'm always interested to hear too. I I don't want to hear just the good stuff. I want to hear 
the bad stuff too. I want to hear if there's anything that's gone on that, you know, interference from governments, state regulators, yeah. you know, things that have really thrown a wrench in there intentionally or otherwise that you've had to overcome as well. Because I think yeah. people really yeah. find that fascinating how you're, you know, how the entrepreneur is being uh, stonewalled at any point in turn. Dude, the government is definitely not our friend. But on the good side, let's go to the good side first. I think last right. time I talked to you, we had. I think something like 1,200 people had signed up. We now have 5,000 people who had signed up. So we're up, you know, three or 400% year over year since we last talked to you. Um, no, no, no sense of slowing down here either. So it's really picking up steam. So we're excited about that. We're going into to open enrollment in November, December, January, where most people are thinking about their healthcare. We think we'll sign up somewhere around three or 4,000 more people over the next three or four no, months. So that's incredible. Growing community, the bigger the community, the better it is for everybody. And so things are going really well. On the negative side, I mean, look, we've got now uh, 5,000 people have signed up. And so we've got five or six cancer cases. We've had three NICU babies, one of which unfortunately passed away. Um, we had a brain hemorrhage. We've had heart surgeries. So we've had some of these really big events. And so while those are awful things that people have to go through, it did show that the community could support something that big. I mean, when people come into crowd health, they're always asking number one question is, uh, what about the big one? You know, what happens if something really bad happens? Um, I get in a motorcycle accident, I have a heart condition, whatever. And the community has shown that they can step up and, and pay for those things. So those are, that's, you know, the, the a double-edged sword, I guess there, yeah, you know, on the regulatory side. Yeah. Yeah, and the regular so so the two risks of the of the business historically have been can you pay the big bills? Um, and our community has shown that they will step up actually even more so with the big bills because mm-hmm. you know if you think about like all of our bills are paid voluntarily, but if somebody sends you a bill that's like, hey, somebody has a baby in the neonatal intensive care unit, like you're hard hearted if you're going to say no to that. Like <laughs> you know, it's like, that's yeah. like a hundred percent of people will be like, yes, we want to help those people. Um, and then the second one is the kind of the regulatory side, because the government always wants to get involved in really great stuff going on on the innovation side. So, um, you know, we, we've had a couple of interactions with states um, and both times they came away after, you know, nine month proctology exams, <laughs> basically saying that we're not health insurance. And so we don't we're not we don't fit under their regulations. And so. We've taken a lot of time, a lot of money to make sure that we're in line with some of these regulatory issues so that the government can't get involved in what we're up to. So it's been going great on that side. I mean, literally, if I were to say last year, I talked to you, say, what is the best case scenario for the next year? It's really happened. So it's it's been a a super fun ride. Um, And we've saved people now, you know, millions of dollars in, in healthcare expenses, which is a ton of fun. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, it's, as I was saying, it's kind of like even stress tested, both on the, uh, as you said, these yeah. more extreme health elements and by now the regulatory bodies and, and come away stronger both times, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I noticed and, you know, as again, just scrolling through the, your Twitter earlier, just kind of looking to say, okay, what's interesting that's going on was that you said something like 50% of the home or the births <laughs> within the crowd health system are home births, which I found fascinating. I mean, I, I know people yeah. that have done it. My wife had no interest in that. She was, you know, epidural, please, instantly, you know, and, and trying to get somebody to come and get you know, a home epidural is probably more difficult. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I found that really fascinating. And I didn't, yeah. I never really thought about that, how because of the model here, funding that where uh, a typical insurer probably would not necessarily say, yeah, we're going to cover that at your home and, and with you 
it basically taking care of all these other elements and bringing them together out of our control. Mm-hmm. I doubt they would go down that path. Whereas with crowd health, you can do something like that and be more creative yeah. in how you handle these health issues. Yeah, we put the, you put put your healthcare back in your hands. You do it whatever way you want to do it. I mean, I don't I don't think there should be anybody saying you have to do it at the hospital or you have to do it wherever. And so it's like we're giving you back the the freedom to do it wherever you want to do it. And we have a lot of people who are you know, not are, are untrusting, rightfully so, of institutions. And that goes from government to hospitals. Like, why would we want to have a baby in a infested hospital where more people get, you know, diseases than anywhere else on the planet? And so the COVID, um, for example, where you get COVID going into the hospital, you- <laughs> especially. Yeah. And, and, you know, with the whole COVID restrictions, you could have some some people or some hospitals wouldn't even let the dad in the room, you know, yeah. with COVID, and so they're like, "Screw this! Like, I'm, I'm going to go back to to the the non medical industrial complex institution and do it in my own institution, which is my home." So, you know, the stat there is that 1.4 percent of Americans or births in, in America every year are done at home. At Crowd Health, it's about 50 percent, um, just short of 50 percent. <laughs> so that just shows you the kind of community that we have. It yeah. is a libertarian, counter, you know, a contrarian type of group. 75% of our customers fit within that, that category. And they're people who are just don't trust the, the medical institutions in our country. And they're like, I want to, I want to have healthcare the way that I want to have healthcare and not have it between, be between, you know, a big health insurance company and my doctor. So, yeah. um, it's, you know, we, we, if you, if you've looked on Twitter, you've probably seen some of the comments too, where people are like, and crowd health is a godsend because I've got my health care back in, in my hands. I'm self-sovereign over my own health care, which is not something that most people can say. Yeah, well, it's always something, you know, and I think about this as well, oftentimes when I and because and, I have, you know, for instance, my my company pays for my health insurance. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I would be on crowd health right now, to be honest. But, you know, they take care of that. So I'm lucky in that manner. But at the same time, the issues and I talk about this when I when I talk about you know, crowd health to the, to the audience the issues with getting the bills from here, there and everywhere, they're just vastly expensive and yeah. they just continuously come because there is so much of a, of a, uh, a giant mechanism between me and the actual provider. Or even if you talk to the doctor, like, why is this, why am I getting paid for this? Why, you know, it's just the levels of bureaucracy drive me insane. Yeah. And just the amount of money wasted. Cause I was looking at also just the amount of money ca- that can be saved by negotiating directly is shocking. You know, just in like, like for example, cash, you know, if you go to a hospital with cash, oftentimes you get a massive discount. And yeah. that's one thing I to kind of, to segue into that right now, we're in this environment where everything is astronomically expensive. I mean, you know, <laughs> everything from the hot dogs to your health insurance, I'm sure, because everything's gone up with the inflationary environment because of all these, you know, massive spending expenditures we're going through because of coming out of COVID, obviously. So have you found now that hospitals, doctors, you know, who you're negotiating with, are they more apt to work with you directly to get that instantaneous cash payment? Because you I mean, honestly, something I think about, if they're waiting to get a payout and that payout comes six months from now, Every day you wait is essentially one d- that dollar is worth less because the government keeps screwing us over. With yeah, the cost of capital is going up, right? Cost yeah. of capital is going up, and I think we're we're having a deflationary impact on on healthcare. Thank God, you know we we've we started in 2021, and for a family of four, it was nine thousand dollars. 2022, it was something like eight thousand dollars. 2023, it's 
$6,900. In 2024, it'll be $6,900. And so we've gone from $9,000 to $6,900 for a family of four. And so we're actually bringing costs down. You know, we shot pretty high. We're like, we think we're going to require this. But as as people have come and, and allowed us to negotiate for them, like you just mentioned, um, those prices those those prices have been way lower than what we had had forecast. I mean, which means the doctors are more pissed off about health insurance than ever, and they are clamoring to get more cash pay people in the door. So we have doctors who reach out to us. I mean, it's literally daily, and say, "Hey, please, can you send people my way? I w- I, I want to take cash, please." You know, yeah. and it's because in essence, right. You, you work for whoever pays you. And so these doctors are being paid by health insurance plans. So they, they, in essence, they work for the health insurance plan, you know, and, and they want to work for the patient. Like they work for the patient when the patient pays them in cash. And so, mm-hmm. and that's the way it should be. Like we should, we should be, the doctor should be working for us. And, but they don't currently if you're, if you're in health insurance. And so they love that more than the patient does because they don't have a little health insurance plan on their shoulder saying, this is what you have to do to, you know, serve your, your, your patient. So, um, doctors love what we're doing. It is, you know, counterinflationary if that's the right economic terminology. Um, but you know, what, what, what we're seeing though is the inflation in healthcare is, 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 going up faster than general inflation as it always has. And so as we're going down and health insurance is going up, there's, there's a place there where those things cross, you know, cross. And even people like you, 20% of our customers have ditched their corporate health insurance and said, Mm -hmm. I'm tired of health insurance. Like this sucks. I want to do something else. And so they've dumped their corporate insurance, even though their, their employer is paying for it and doing it with crowd health because it's just a better experience. Yeah. Well, tell me, so just going back. So why do you think it is that healthcare, uh, goes up as far as inflationary? How, why does it go up faster than other industries? Yeah. I think, I think the, um, the, the structural and systemic inflation of, of healthcare, primarily because of gunner, government interference from my, from my perspective, um, you know, magnifies the inflationary impact of just monetary inflation. So you have monetary inflation and then you have the systemic inflation, you know, sitting on top of each other. So it has a magnifying effect. Um, I had a buddy yesterday who's got like 75 employees at his company. He's like, my, I, I just got my bill, my, uh, my quote from my broker and it's for my company. It's 20% higher this year. Wow. 20%. And so, and, and, and from people I'm talking to who, who work at insurance plans, the inflation at the, at the health care side usually lags a year from monetary inflation because, you know, health insurance plans have to say, here's what I'm going to charge you next year. Right. And then yeah. they see the inflation and they're said, Oh crap. Now I got to make up for it. So it, it, it lags one year. And so we're, we're seeing some wicked, uh, inflation in healthcare costs this, this upcoming year. Hmm. So here's another thing I was kind of thinking about. One of the during COVID, we were talking about that, and and obviously, you know, they're trying to scare us into into being uh, lockdown mode and COVID and masking up again with COVID. But one of the things that I had done early on was there was a provider, and I think it was called My Free Doc, was like an app or something I had to download just to try to get ivermectin. And oh, yeah, yeah. I I remember it was like it was this interesting, but I, you know, you pay them pay them directly, and I was like. I was like, this is fascinating. And this is, I think, before I first talked to you. I don't know why I didn't bring it up. This is a couple of years ago now. But 
with that coming up too, I wonder if that, you know, that next wave of COVID is going to have people also looking for alternatives to health insurance because it wasn't just that, you know, it was like I had to pay for it out of pocket too because my insurance wouldn't cover the prescription even when I got it. And the prescription was something like $120 for, you know, for ivermectin, which is this readily available drug. So I'm curious to see if there's anything in that, like you've seen that reaction from people or if that's been a, a topic of discussion with people saying, I need to get out of the system and have a direct relationship with doctors who are just going to give me the right drug that they feels right and not yeah. having this, this weight around them. Absolutely. I, we don't even need to go into the efficacy of iver- ivermectin. I think if you want to have ivermectin, you should have ivermectin. It's your body. Amen. You, you should do whatever you want with your body. And so, you know, we've actually found, you know, a couple of years ago, we found a, a number of docs who would who would do it and had, didn't have a problem with it. And so we hooked our members up with those docs and they they made it work. And so, um, you know, that's what we can do as a non-insurance kind of alternative to to better it. And it's not it's not only the stuff that health insurance plans won't pay for. It's the stuff that health insurance plans are now paying for. Right. Mm-hmm. So Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna, United, Cigna, you know, most of those plans, if not all those plans are paying for, you know, from my perspective, I, you know, I know your audience a little bit. I think they most of them will agree with me, but like you're paying for gender reassignment, you're pen- yep. paying for gender surgeries, your, your money is going in and paying for this type of stuff. And it's like, you know, I had a, I had a guy the other day ask me, you know, what do we do? I was like, hell no, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen <laughs> yeah. with, with crowd health. We don't, we don't send that for funding. And so, you know, it's, it's things like that, that I just think that more and more people are seeing the craziness of health insurance. Everybody hates it universally. And so that's why it's really fueling our, our growth. So what have you seen then? So as you said, there's a very uh, interactive community there. Obviously, I would imagine, mm. you know, within crowd health, and I would imagine there's probably a, a fairly thriving of people that join in, I bet they're they're very active in communicating with each other. But what have you seen? What are some other issues that have come up? You know, similar to that, like gender transition stuff. What are some other issues that have come up that you said, you know what, that's something we will look to do. And are there any other items that came up that you said, now that's just, that's something that we don't consider to be, uh, you know, in the realm of, of, of healthcare really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's, there's this tension here where, you know, we, you, I'm sure you've heard this analogy before, like we have car insurance, but car insurance doesn't pay for the tires and the, you know, oil, you know, and those things. And, and those things aren't are relatively inexpensive because of free markets are pushing down those expenses. And so we try to be very careful and not saying, Hey, we'll, we'll send, you know, these, this little stuff to the community for funding because you, you should be negotiating it with your own money and pushing that drop down. So we're trying to step away from as much as possible, get the price as low as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the best way of doing it and really save this for really big issues. You know, with that said, I mean, there's a, there's a desire out there for alternative forms of, of medicine, non, you know, Western forms of medicine. So naturopathic, integrative, holistic, trying to get down to the bottom of, of what's going on with you as opposed to just, coming in, I have this X, Y, and Z hurt. Doctor says, here's some pharma and go, you know, go figure it out, right? Like I'm, yeah. we're, we're really trying to find docs who are willing to spend the time with you to figure out what the core issue is with what's going on with your health as opposed to just prescribing you a, you know, a pharmaceutical. Um, and that's super important to us. It's super important to our community. It saves the community a bunch of money. And so, you know, those are the things that we're seeing within the community. You know, the other thing too, that I think that's our biggest differentiator versus health insurance is the way that we work is we're actually funding 
another person's health care directly. So, you know, my money will go directly to Brian for his broken arm or whatever it may be. So, Brian, I, I know that you're, I don't know where you live right now, but, you know, Brian and Los Angeles, it, Los mm. Angeles. Oh, for God's <laughs> sakes, Brian, but, you know, it, you know, Andy, would you give Brian in Los Angeles, you know, help for his, you know, broken arm or whatever it is. And my money goes directly from Andy to Brian. And um, it's had a really big impact. So just a one quick story is a few months ago, maybe five, four or five months ago now, we had a woman who had a miscarriage. And uh, we had expenses associated with that. We went to, I don't know, it was a couple hundred community members, something like that, to, to help this woman out with those expenses. And so we had people come back and said, hey, I know you asked me for, I think it was like 70 bucks or something. You know, can I give her 150 bucks? Because that is a part of my story. You know, that's a part of my story. I know what that family is going through. I just want to help. Right. And there's a humanity behind that. Like, we're bringing humanity back to healthcare, and the fact that your money is not going to this big insurance company who who the hell knows what they're doing with it. It's going directly to another human being. There's just tons of power in being able to, to help another human. And I don't care if you're right, left, center, independent, libertarian, whatever. Like, I think we all have a desire to help other humans. So the fact that we can do that through our healthcare, through the way that, that CrowdHealth's platform works is pretty powerful. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, one of the things that... Uh I was curious about is when you go out to members, you said you got, you know, 5,000 members now, how do you, how do you, how do you go about reaching out to members to say, Hey, can you help fund this person? Is it kind of like a round Robin? You know, you, I saw you gave, you know, recently, so I'll go somewhere else. Or is it something where, you know, I, how does that work? Yeah, it's round Robin. So it's the oldest first, meaning like, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 the person who crowdfunded the farthest back, we only ask you once a month, we'll reach out to you in an email and say, Hey, Andy broke his arm. He needs help. Um, we give you two two pieces of information, though, that helps you decide whether or not you want to give to Andy. One is, has Andy been a good member of the community? So mm -hmm. when Andy was asked, you know, the last 10 times, has he said, you know, yes, 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 yes? Or has he said, no, 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 no? And so I've got a basically a, um, a reputation score. Um, have I been a good member of the community or a bad member of the community? Um, and then I also, we also score his bill. Like, did he go to the Mayo Clinic for his broken arm or, you know, and it was $50,000 or did he go to the local orthopedic surgeon where it's $5,000? In essence, mm. did he treat your money like it was his money or his money like it was your money? That's whatever the really saying, you know what I'm saying? You know, and oh, so yeah, yeah. No, that's really interesting. And so you, like you it. get that, those two pieces of information, which in essence, what that does is it drives behavior to say, Hey, look, I, I mean, I'm going to go try to find a really good doctor at a really good price. And to do that, all you have to do is call us and we help you. Um, we help you with yeah. that. We don't ask you to do it on your own. Um, but it does bring market forces into healthcare, which are non-existent at this point. And as a result, we've gotten our pricing for our members that we we find for them is like 50% lower than what health insurance plans pay. So yeah, it is so counterintuitive, but it's, it's like, if you go in and as an individual, you have more negotiating power than United Healthcare. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that's a pretty powerful thing. I love, yeah, I, I love that. I think that's such a, a, I mean, really a fantastic way to do it. Putting that, that little measure in there to really influence behavior and how people seek out that medical attention. That's awesome. Yeah. Right, I mean, so it's really, it, we, 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 okay. we do it though in our, our normal, like day-to-day -day lives, right? Like I kind of make the yeah, joke, yeah. like if, if your neighbor whose dog comes in craps on your lawn every single day, um, and he doesn't mm -hmm. pick it up. 
you know, comes over and needs help with something, like you're much less likely to help that person than the person who, you know, comes and brought you cookies when you moved in. Like there's a community component of this. It's like, hey, be a good community member and don't have your dog crap on everybody else's lawn, right? Like that's just a a good community member. That's what they would do. So it, it works in this this context as well. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So last question, and then I'll wrap mm-hmm. it up with you. And then, uh, and I'll be back on something to do with some current event stuff, as you know, I like to do. Um, okay. If Joe Biden joined crowd health, would the community fund whatever it would take to get his mental health back on track? And, <laughs> and do you have enough members to pay for that at this point in time? Is that too extreme an event? <laughs> he's, he's, he's too old, would not qualify. Um, he's on <laughs> Medicare already. So we don't take Medicare folks. Um, and so the answer is no, that, that would not be funded by, by the community. All right. Well, I, I still uh, think that's probably a, a, a built-in benefit then. <laughs> there you go. That's, there that's you awesome. Go. Well, Andy, it's been great catching up with you. Um, you know, I said, I, I, I'm really, I continue to be in awe of what you're doing here. I'm excited to see after the, the enrollment period starts, which of course mm-hmm. guys, you know, go to join crowdhealth.com. Uh, if you use promo code lions, you'd still get in, uh, you know, $50 for your first six months, which is awesome. So please jump in there, become a member of the voluntary community Andy's put together here. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see if that enrollment period really, really kicks into gear. And I, cause I always wonder behind the scenes, how many people are waking up to the scam that is insurance? Yeah. How many people are waking up to the savings? They are waking up to what's going on with government. And I, you know, this might be a good litmus test to see you know, where we're at as far as converting these people to a new way of thinking. Yeah. I mean, every year, you know, last, our first year was our first year. 2021 was our first year. 2022 was kind of like, okay, you guys have been around for a year. Is this real? 2023, as we talked about earlier, we've, we've been stress tested and what we are seeing anecdotally is, you know, people didn't really call us until November to talk about open enrollment. We're already getting phone calls in October from people who talked to us last October, who in fact have listened to your show last October and, and heard what we yeah. were saying. And it was like, this is interesting, but I want to wait and see how this goes. But, you know, we've, we've really stress tested this thing and, and it, and it's working great. I think we're, I, I think we just crowdfunded Bill 8,000 or something like that. So this has worked 8,000 times or, or, or plus or minus. Um, and every bill thus far has gotten fully funded by the community. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's working. And I think the crowd that is listening to, to your show is, is very much our, our kind of folks. Um, Most and so it's, it's, it's fun being able to fund each other's healthcare expenses as opposed to, um, relying upon a health insurance plan to do so. Most definitely. Well, tell everybody where can they find you online if they want to come, you know, keep in touch, if they want to follow your Twitter. I know you do a podcast. So where can people follow mm-hmm. you there? Yeah, uh, joincrowdhealth.com uh, is our website. Twitter is joincrowdhealth. And then we have the Sovereign Health Podcast on YouTube. You should go over there and check it out. We have some fun over there. And, uh, you know, and we don't, we don't have the, uh, the viewership that you have quite yet, but, um, you know, there's some really interesting stuff going on over there and, and just healthcare in general and, and how to beat this system. Awesome. I love it. Well, I have uh, enjoyed the conversation again. Maybe we'll check it another year from now. Continue the, uh, the trajectory. Yeah. All right, Andy. Thank you so much, guys. Remember, check out joincrowdhealth.com. I will be right back. I'll take a, a short, brief break here, and I'll be right back. With some All right. So... I'm back and, uh, wow. 
lot going on because I recorded yesterday with Andy and obviously want to come back today to do a little bit more in the way of current events stuff. And wow, a lot's gone on because obviously the big news today, I'm recording this on Tuesday, is that Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, has been removed. This is literally happened 10 minutes before I'm recording this. So I'm just going to jump on here with some quick analysis. It's been fascinating to watch. Now, I'm not going to say I was the biggest McCarthy fan. I think that he was very wishy-washy. He came in, he promised a lot and delivered very little. We saw that with the IRS. You know, his big claim was that, oh, we're going to get rid of these 87,000. Well, they didn't really. And, you know, he said he was going to make all these bold moves. Really get, he didn't do anything. I can't even really name anything, to be perfectly honest. We've seen the inflation continue to, it's still hovering around, you know, 17, 18%. It slowed slightly but we're still in an inflationary crisis. Uh, I can't think of anything McCarthy's really accomplished. And you pair that with a situation wherein we've had two different debt ceilings now and and they increased the first one, didn't really seem to get anything out of that. Now it comes to the second one. McCarthy cuts a deal with the Democrats to continue the spending in a quote, clean bill. And yet the concessions weren't really made again that, that I can tell. The Ukraine funding seems to be uh, continuing. Granted, that was going to continue unabated regardless, because as we've read, as we shared online, well, even if they cut down government spending, even if they shut down the parks and shut down the services and give you all the scare tactics, well, don't worry. They made sure to let us know that the funding for Ukraine would continue. Yes, the same funding that is paying for their uh, emergency services, their small business loans, and everything else. Now, Matt Gates led the charge on this, and I don't know what's going to happen with Matt Gates. There were a uh, there were some rumors going around that an inquiry committee has you know found that he he on his own may be fit for removal, according to them, based upon some. I mean, I still. Somebody was talking about sex trafficking. You know, this is like two years ago, I think, back when I was still in my other house before we started the renovations. I don't know what's coming to that. But considering he led this charge, I'm sure we're going to hear more about that soon. The one thing I'll say is that to me, this entire thing came to a head because of the funding for Ukraine, because of the continued push to fund Ukraine, to bankrupt America, to prop up this uh, dictatorial regime, and of course, to pay for the reconstruction of Ukraine, which we talked about on Meme Wars, which came out uh, on Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> apologies, that was supposed to come out Friday, but I uh, accidentally messed up the setting on that, so got a nice Tuesday Meme Wars. But it seems that the unease the anger that has been palpable and growing within the American population, especially people on the right. Uh, I think people in the center, libertarians, of course, the opposition to this ridiculous never-ending war to which there's zero benefit for the average American citizen that we can potentially see in any way, right? The only, the only Upside of this war is for the bankers, which is virtually every war. I mean, look back to the Habsburgs. Look back, you know, every war, essentially, the Rothschilds. Every war benefits bankers. Every war benefits people that have the infrastructure to build up the industries in those countries to take advantage of the destruction, which, of course, is not you, is not me. But it is those people in power. It is the Clinton Foundation, which, yes, the Clinton motherfucking foundation is right in there 
making deals to help build Ukraine. Isn't that amazing? They're going to get funding to help build out Ukraine. The Clinton Foundation that lost all of its funding when Hillary Clinton didn't win. Oh, they're back in there. Why? Because the corruption is so rampant there and the money is flowing so simply. So that seems to have finally percolated to the point where we're getting a hot cup of fuck you coffee for McCarthy as dictated by Republicans that are pushing this through, led by Matt Gates, several others. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know. So like 10 of them pushed this through. But they had enough support within that House and with some some Democrat votes, which now is, I guess, causing a lot of stir because the presumption was that the Democrats would not take part in this. However, a good portion of Democrats did vote to oust him. Now, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Said, I'd rather see somebody in there who's actually got the balls and, and be able to get things done. But to me, this whole thing, this being removed from speaker really hinged on the Ukraine war. The dissatisfaction with the population, his conceding that, and Matt Gates had even accused him of making a backdoor deal to continue to fund Ukraine outside of the purview of this uh, latest you know, resumption of government to avoid a shutdown. But he's keying into the main issue, and that is the Ukraine war. So it's nice to see somebody get... as a speaker, just so that we can see this actually work, that there's some accountability in this system of nepotism, of elitism, of favors, of back padding. It's good to see somebody actually get removed when they're doing a shit job and not simply get pushed along for the good of the party or because, because if we remove him, he might come after us and I won't get put on, you know, whatever. It's a glorious, excuse me, a glorious thing to see. I'm very happy about it. So we'll see what the fall it is. That we to see who's going to step up. Now McCarthy himself may be the one that steps up here. By the way, um, oh wonderful! I forgot to switch over my feed. Let me pause this. More solid. Sorry, sorry. I forgot. To, I my Wi-Fi cuts in and out, and I have to uh, to hardwire, and I forgot to do that. So hopefully it resumed no problem so anyway now it goes through mccarthy's probably going to run again um i heard some names thrown out there matt gates in the latest report had been pressed on who he thought would be you know he would want to do uh, the, the job for speaker he didn't name any names i guess we'll have to wait and see but it certainly is an interesting day so anyway that's one thing i'm going to buzz through these quick wasn't planning to talk about that today so uh, i got a few other things i wanted to hit on Gavin Newsom, one of the biggest pieces of human garbage that has ever lived, you know, going out to the Republican debates, which I'm not going to do a recap on too much time has passed, but he goes out there. He's at the Republican debates. He's at the Reagan library and he's out there talking shit on DeSantis because DeSantis, oh, well, is he even going to run? And DeSantis accepted a debate against Gavin Newsom, which he, Gavin Newsom said he baited him into it. And that somehow this is a win because DeSantis is running for president. What's he doing debating the guy from California? Well, he should debate the guy from California because the guy from California is clearly trying to angle to be president. Clearly. And in truth, DeSantis has looked so tepid, uh, so flaccid, if you will, during this campaign season. The best thing he probably could do would be to go head to head with Gavin Newsom and put him in the drown. I mean, just put him in the dirt, bury him. And he should be able to easily do that. Now, Gavin Newsom is a liar and a fraud and uh, just he, you know, it's funny. 
was listening to, uh, again, The Death of Journalism with John Ziegler, who has been on this show recently. And Ziegler's argument was, you know, he's not sure if he's an idiot or if he's evil, and he's tending to, to go towards evil. And I agree with that. You know, Gavin Newsom, he has done to California uh, such a, an absolute injustice in every possible way. And when pressed on issues like gas prices, we have $7 gas right now in California, everywhere else in the country. I mean, Sean Handy had asked him, why does everywhere else in the country have gas that's hovering around, you know, $3 and 25 cents and California's is $7. And Gavin Newsom, who was a liar and a moron, um, has said, well, you know, it's because they're, they're sticking it to us. They're gouging us. No, they're not gouging you. What's happening is that California's regulatory environment here making everything more expensive, right? There's an 85 cents tax on top of every gallon of gas, number one. On top of that, you've got regulations on regulations for for just doing business in the state, especially if you're a fossil fuel because they hate fossil fuels here. The legislative body can't stand fossil fuels. They are woke people that have no concept of economics or the broader impact of their policies. I talked several weeks ago about this moronic minimum wage for fast food workers. Gavin Newsom is going to go out there and I hope DeSantis can really put him in his place. Now, Newsom will lie his ass off. He will make up facts and figures. He will try to to paint California as his bastion of free speech. DeSantis, if he's worth anything, should be able to destroy Gavin Newsom, just on simple facts, simply putting out the economics, simply putting out the COVID responses. And it's honestly, in my opinion, the one thing that might give DeSantis some measure of uh, like a dead cat bounce. Because Donald Trump's not debating anybody. If you can have DeSantis, who is the highlight of COVID versus the evil that is a Gavin Newsom, you know, Darth Vader, who essentially created the lockdown state for the nation when California went hard lockdowns. If you can get in there and trounce him on all of these issues and put his smug face right on the fucking curb and tell him to open up and put those pearly whites right on the edge of that curb, man, well, now you have momentum again. So Gavin Newsom, you were the one who took the bait here because I don't see a way in which this turns out well for Newsom in any way. At least if if DeSantis is any measure of ability, this is his golden opportunity. So I will be watching that. Granted, it's not, I think it's at the end of November. So we'll see what happens to now and then if DeSantis stays in the race. He should until that point. All right. Speaking of Newsom, this clown. So Dianne Feinstein died, right? Uh, as I said, as I joked, uh, Dianne Feinstein, more like dead Anne Feinstein. Feinstein, messing up my own joke. She died at the age of 90 in office, which is insane on his face. We talked about that on memoirs. I'm not going to rehash it here. Gavin Newsom now gets to appoint somebody for a year and a half, right? There's no, no runoff now. There's no, you know, secondary election to try to put through. No, this person has one and a half years now appointed by Gavin Newsom. Um, and he chose as I have stated on, on Twitter, again, follow me at Brian McWilliams, uh, the Corrine Jean-Pierre of senators. I called her Corrine Jean Butler. And hold on, what's her actual name? I I, you know, I started this, pod, this broadcast and I forgot to look up her actual name. It's like Lafaya, Lafonda Butler? Gavin Newsom Butler. 
before I jumped on here, LaFonza, LaFonza Butler. That's who he appointed. So he decided to choose LaFonza Butler. Now, LaFonza Butler, despite what you might think, does not live in fucking California, which you'd think would be some sort of requirement for being a California senator. But what Cal- what LaFonza, horrible name, what LaFonza Butler does have going for her is that she's a black lesbian Democrat. Like I said, the Kareen Jean-Pierre of senatorial appointments from Gavin Newsom put her in place. And he's saying that, well, you know, I decided to put her in there because she's an advocate for women and girls, a fighter for working people, and a a trusted advisor to Vice President Harris. That last part really kicks it up a notch, doesn't it? Kicks it up a notch to let you know just how insipidly stupid this this must be. If she's an advisor to Harris, who is herself an unredeemable turd, with zero ability. This woman apparently is advising her. She's not even good enough to be Kamala Harris. She could only advise her on how to be completely, uh, <laughs> completely inept. And of course, she is very pro-abortion, pro, uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Not equality of outcome, pro, I've got a blanket on this stupid phrase, pro-equity, and of course, anti-guns. So she's everything that you that you really don't want if you want a uh, civil free society and the cookie cutter for a pathetic will go along with anything appointee for a Democrat senator. Just awful. Absolutely awful. All right. Next thing. We'll hit it real quick. I wanted to jump to the UK. Sanity in the UK. To quote Sex Pistols. Of course, it is anarchy in the UK, which I'm all for. Anarchy everywhere, guys. Anarchism. But the head of UK hospitals, uh, so reports Sky News. So the the uh, head, the health secretary, Steve Barclay, says he's going to bring back sex-specific language to the national health system in hospitals. Transgender women will be banned from treating in female hospital wards in England under new proposals put forward by the health secretary. Pushing back against Wokery, saying that it led to women's rights being increasingly sidelined. Now, anybody with a brain and eyes could see this is what was inevitably going to happen. That if you have men taking over women's spaces, demanding treatment in women's spaces, demanding access to women's spaces, demanding access to women's sports, to women's uh, environments, to women's societies, of course, now you're going to erode the women's abilities, the women's uh, civil rights, the women's safety. We've seen it play out in prisons predominantly where rapes, oh, shockingly, rapes have skyrocketed and women are getting pregnant in women's prisons. How? Oh, yeah, because of the quote-unquote women that identify as men that are being put in prisons. You have just dysfunctionally pointless organizations like the ACLU, which is probably the most despicable of all of the formerly uh, bright, shining lights of civil liberties, defending prisoners and demanding that we taxpayers pay for their sex change surgeries so that which by the way would be more safe than just putting the men in but they demand that we have to pay for their sex change surgeries and that these men that identify as women should be put in there because it's the right thing to do ridiculous 
The UK has been one of the, I would say, forebears for the more ridiculous trans policies. And it's nice to see that being walked back. As I mentioned, I think earlier, Denmark, which is known for the uh, creation really of how we identify, how we treat transgenders, having based upon a completely flawed study that came out, they have massively walked back all of this transgender nonsense. So the USA is lagging behind, but it's one more thing that I think we will be catching up on soon. I think that you're seeing sanity in the UK. Uh, I think that you're going to be seeing a lot of people follow suit in this because it's reached the point, similar to the Ukraine war, it's reached the point where too much of it is just, it's so blatantly obvious in the the issues it's causing for women, um, the attacks on women's rights, as I said, the attacks on women's safety, that to pretend that somehow 0.001% of the population should supersede the rights of 52 or 53% of the population is psychotic nonsense. So good on the UK. All right. <laughs> I think I got one more thing to talk about here and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, yes. So we talked about RFK Jr. on Memoirs. Uh, I will say at this point in time, I have no updates for you. I am in touch with Angela. Um, Angela is in touch with RFK and has been in touch with RFK for, uh, you know, for months. So we shall see what happens. I obviously can't really say anything right now. I will tell you that it is a massive bombshell. You're seeing, you're going to see fallout from this on both sides. Despite the fact that some people are claiming that this impacts the Democrats more, a study that was done recently actually said that the fallout, and I think it'd be more than this as far as what percentage of the population would attract, said essentially it would put Biden and Trump neck and neck at 38% each and RFK Jr. pulling 19%. Now, for for example, if he did run for libertarian, that would be a fantastic win for us, getting something close to 20%. I think it makes absolute sense for him to run libertarian because Otherwise, he has a massive ballot access fight and Libertarian Party has access in all 50 states. So we'll see what happens. But it would be an unbelievably exciting time. And I think that for the party, it does provide quite a bit of, uh, of credence to the ability to draw people from both sides, to the messaging that's been happening, to what we represent. Uh, for a nation that has become so divisive and so extreme on two sides that the Libertarian Party, as you said, you know, one of our phrases on the Libertarian website, you can buy merch for this, is refreshingly sane. That is what people are looking for right now. And as extreme as the media and politicians are trying to make some of our policies, the true extremism is in embracing never-ending war, a deep state that is never held accountable, never-ending spending that is robbing us blind, um, spiraling healthcare costs, as we talked about earlier today with Andy, and no real solutions from the parties. I mean, I, these people are terrified of RFK right now. So we'll see if he does a smart thing. And, oh, the last thing, just adding this in here. Nobel Prize went to the scientist who discovered the mRNA vaccine. So once again, I've talked about this in uh, previous years. Once again, the Nobel Prize is completely unrelated to real scientific breakthroughs, uh, achievements, and is a completely political prize. It's blatantly obvious. Uh, it's sickening, similar to you know the Pulitzer Prizes, which the New York Times, to the best of my knowledge, has still not given back their Pulitzer Prizes for their 
Russiagate reporting because the people that decide these are left-wing, woke, you know, bubble-living morons who basically just want to rubber stamp whatever is going to make them feel good. So congrats on your Nobel Prize, guys. All right, that's going to wrap it up, guys. Remember, you can support this show, number one, by sharing it, by subscribing to it. Please, that is number one. Please subscribe and share the show. If you're watching on YouTube or Rumble, hit the notify button, please, so you know that these shows are publishing. If you are uh, in the market to support what we're doing here and get some more bonus content, some of the bonus shows like Degenerate Gamblers, like Secret Size and Cover-Ups, like my Good Morning Rants I do daily or mostly daily, you can go to patreon.com forward slash lines of liberty or lines of liberty locals.com. All right. I'll do it for me, Brian McWilliams from Lions of Liberty and from Lions Liberty Network. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe. And keep that ray gun to my head. <laughs>